Good morning, everyone. Hope you have a wonderful day. Today is Chai Kislev, Erev Yates Kislev. And we continue. We left off. Tainus, the first chapter, page 10, on the top, first line. The rabbis learn. The rabbis learn. First, Hashem created the land of Israel. And then He created the rest of the world. Shnemet says... It says in the Pasuk, Ad also. It says in, in Proverbs, Ad also Eretz V'chutzetz. Before we made Eretz, and outside, and the whole world, Hadley also edits before until before we made Israel Eretz Yisrael and then outside of Eretz Yisrael. In other words, Torah was given before he made before he created the world, before he made first Eretz Yisrael and then the rest of the world. Which is outside of Eretz Yisrael. See, first he mentions Eretz Yisrael, then he mentions everywhere else. This we see that the first thing was created Eretz Yisrael and then the rest of the world. Hmm. Hashem himself gives rain. The rest of the world, like they shliach through an through an agent. Says in Job, he gives land. Hashem gives rain in the land, the holy land. Then he sends, like with an agent, an emissary, an agent to give water to the rest of the world. Eretz Yisrael shows as Me'akshamim. Eretz Yisrael receives Me'akshamim, the essence of the rain, the clouds. Kalelum kulei mitamsis from the leftover. After the clouds are empty, residue. Shnemet says, and Nathan Mother apnei Eretz. First, he gives the rain apnei Eretz and Eretz Yisrael, and then he sends the water outside. So in Israel, he gives mutter, the rain itself, the essence of the water. The rest of the end is just mayim. He doesn't say mutter, water, the leftovers. Eretz Yisrael Eretz Yisrael receives the rain first. Receive the rain. at the end. First, he gives the rain to Eretz Yisrael, and then afterwards he sends it. So all the world's blessings, rain is a blessing, all the world's blessing comes through Eretz Yisrael. The parable is a person who mixes. The, uh, he mixes the, uh, the, the cheese. He takes the thickness of the cheese, the best part of the cheese, and when he leaves the leftovers. The, water, the, the milk water that Yisrael receives the essence, and they leave the rest over to the rest. Hashem created the world for a reason, for a purpose. It's a spiritual purpose, and that purpose is fulfilled in Eretz Yisrael. Everything else is just like a means to the end. So therefore, they get, it means the leftover, they get the leftovers from Israel. 
master said that Abelazar holds that the source of rain is from the from the ocean, from the Pacific Ocean. The question was, and why? How is it possible? Ocean water is salty water. Rain water is sweet. He says it's sweetened in the clouds. How do we know this? Because it says, it says in Psalm 18. And then almost we have the identical Psalm, almost, I mean the identical chapter in the book of Samuel, the end of David's life, he sang the song. But there's a change in the language. In Psalm it says, Cheshchas is the darkness. And in Samuel, it's with a resh. Cheshchas with a chaf or with a resh. What, what's, what's it coming to teach us? Nem, take the letter chaf. Ushad the adesh and throw it on the resh. and read. Put them both together. Uh, because Reish and Chav are very interchangeable. Um, I'm sorry, it's Chash Ras. Reish and Chav. Because the Reish. Preparation. Because Ha, and Ches come from the same. Acha. From the throat. So they're interchangeable. So instead of Chashras Mayim, Chashras Mayim, say Hachshoras Mayim. Hachshoras Mayim Abishchakim. What makes the water worthy and, 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 and drinkable? It's in the clouds. Because the water, the evaporation of the water in the clouds, and the clouds process the water and make it drinkable. Because the water is the salt water, ocean water. And it makes it drinkable. But Abi Yeshua, who holds that the rainwater comes from the upper waters, which are sweet, you don't have to fix it. The waters below are bitter. As a result of the separation, the waters below became bitter, the waters above are sweet. How will he expound this verse? Why here it says Cheshchas with a Chav, and there it says Cheshchas with a Rej? Hmm. came from Israel, he said, in Israel they say, in the West they say, and the clouds are light and illuminated. See, it means there's very little water. The clouds are very dark. You know, there's a lot of water. That's hinted. Once he says, it's darkness. Like suddenly you can go outside and it's like the middle of the night. It's so dark. The clouds are heavy. It means a lot of water. Heavy rain coming. But when the, uh, when the clouds are light, it's It means it's, it's light. It means that the clouds are light. Like he says, chashras means it's 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 holy, like a like a has full of holes, like a sieve. Mm-hmm. 
Right, so Cheshchaz means, Cheshchaz coming to tell us that sometimes the clouds, only when the clouds are dark, then you know it's going to be a lot of water. If the clouds are not dark, eh? mm-hmm. Cheshchaz, like we learned earlier, it's like a sieve that separates the drops. Instead of the rain coming down as one sheet of rain to destroy the world, it comes down in drops, separate. Each drop is separate. Kiman Oslo, according to who? Does it follow the Tani? We learned about Isaiah, the upper waters don't lean on anything. My mother including the hanging on the word of Hashem. Like a pool that's hanging in midair. Mm-hmm. And the like the sweat and the moistness of the upper water, that's the range. it says, From the fruit of your actions, that satiates the world. In other words, the the water gives off moistness. And that moistness satiates the world and gives the, that's where the rain comes from. Command, according to who does it follow? Kirabi Yeshua holds that the source of rain is from the waters above. Rabbi Lezer, who holds that the rain comes from the waters below. So he'll say, That's referring to, not talking about that the fruits will be satiated from the water from above. But Maisa is talking about the fruits from the from the water below. Which, yeah, which are the handiwork of Hashem. Mm-hmm. So so the from the fruit of the water below, Hashem made below. That's what says she is the fruit. That's where rain comes from. The whole entire world, we get the leftover of the rain from Ganeid, the Garden of Eden. A river flows from Eden to water the garden. And from there it separates into four different rivers. So just like in the beginning of creation, the river that flowed out of Eden. First, it watered the garden, and from here, the river divided into four smaller rivers that cover the whole world and provide water. So, too, the rainwater, first, it gardens the water, the, the Garden of Eden. First, it, the rain falls in the Garden of Eden. And then the leftover is the rain that the rain for the rest of the world. Time that we learn mitamtzis to support Rabbi Shmuel ben Levi. We learn the Brisa says the same thing. Mitamtzis base kur sheisatarka. The leftovers that's left over in a big vessel that's large enough to water base kur, a gigantic field that holds a base kur, kur thirty saw of of grain. You can also water a field that's tarka. That's a ha- three kav, which is a half a saw. A sixtieth of a kur. A kur is thirty saw. Tarka is a half a saw, so a sixtieth of a kur. So just like a sixtieth of a kur. All you need is the leftover of the water that's enough to water a gigantic field that's large enough to, to grow 30 kur. 
So too, the world is a 60th of the Garden of Eden, as we're going to learn. So therefore, it's enough, even a leftover of the rain. It doesn't need so much rain. The Garden of Eden needs a lot of rain. Here, this world, even a drop of rain, a 60th of that amount of rain. Rabban and the rabbis learned that the land of Egypt is 400 parts and 400 parts. The parsa uh, is, is 10 mil. Mm-hmm. So 400 parts and 400 parts. It's 160th of how large the land of Kush is. And Kush is 160th of the world. And the world began is one sixtieth of the size of the Garden of Eden. Gan is one sixtieth of the size of Eden. Eden and Eden again is one sixtieth the size of Gehen. I guess there's a lot more customers again. And Himsa comes out. Kalelum is only like it's so small it's like a covering of a small pot in comparison to to Gehenna yes and um, but Eden 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 has no has no has no shear. I'm gonna have see it says. It says in Jeremiah Shechant on my Rabbi says you were living by by abundance of water. Rabbi says a lot of treasures. Me got him storage. Who caused Babylonia to be? That its storage places to be filled with grain. Because it's 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 living, it's bordering a lot of water. It has has the Euphrates River, it has the, the Tigris, a lot of rivers. So there's so much water, there's so much er, because it, why? Because it's the lowest. It's so low, so therefore the water flows there. So, this, so therefore, it has so much water. That's why it's so filled with grain, so fertile. Asida above Bavel is rich that they're able to harvest the grain without any rain. You don't need rain. It has all the water flowing there from everywhere else. Wow. We learned, we received the tradition. Why? Because Because Babylonia, the reason why it's so rich, it has it's so fertile, even without rain, is because it's always moist. Muddy and moist, lay of shani. It's not dry. It's not cake dry. It's moist. Okay.
The next mission is okay. Look at mission. We already had this in the third of Cheshvan. He started asking for rain. I'm gonna be a lame, and I'm gonna be largely as Nalach. It's like I'm gonna be in the Holy Land of Israel. We started asking for rain. B'shiva boy, Zayin Cheshvan, the seventh of Cheshvan. Why? Because they waited. They held up. They waited till the last Jew would go home from the temples. It takes two weeks till he reached the banks of the, of Nahar Pras of the Euphrates. He didn't want a Jew to get stuck in the rain. So the entire Jewish people wait, held up, waited, made sure that everyone is home safely. Huh. 15 days. 15 days after the last Jew was able to reach home, the border of Israel, the outermost border, till Euphrates. That's the mission. So the Gemara, I'm a rabbi lozer. I love it. Rabbi Gamliel. The law follows Rabbi Gamliel. Tani will never write. Tani aim Rabbi Gailam. But outside the land of Israel, at Shishim Bitkufa, you wait until sixty days after the season, after the fall season. From from uh, from the Tkufa of Tish. And that's what we do. We don't, we don't say till till in December, beginning of December, right. after the equinox, right? Hmm. They asked of Shmuel from Shmuel, when they start saying this was in Babylonia, outside the land of Israel. He said to them, When they bring a wood, when they start bringing wood to the storehouse of Tvus, who used to capture birds. Beethoven's Sayyid, who used to capture birds. Tvus Rizhba. For, for, for the winter they know when they know when it's going to start raining when is the time the season for rain and you can no longer chop wood so how can Avonurachia say that Shmuel said the law follows Hananya that he waits 60 days from the Kuf of Tishrei but he said a different, a different time he says you follow when the bird capturers start gathering wood because it's the season of the rain to keep dry. Maybe it's the same shear. That is the time. That's the time. That's when they do. 60 days after the season of Tishrei, two months that start with Tishrei, then they would, they would, that's the season for the rain and that's when they would start gathering the wood. The storehouses to keep it dry. So it's no, no contradiction. The question is, the 60th day is like the days that you're waiting, you're still counting. In other words, you wait till the 61st day. The next day you start asking for rain. Or perhaps, the 60th day is when you start asking for rain. So there's an argument. I'll bring you an argument. I'll bring you a proof. Rab Amr, there's an argument amongst the rabbis. Rab Amr, Rab says, Yem shishim, kalacha shishim. 
You already start asking for rain on the 60th day. Shmuel argues with Rav. He says, Yem Shishim Kulfanei Shishim. No, 60 days is part of the days you're counting. It's the next day, 61st day. That's when you start asking for rain. I'll give you a sign to be able to remember who said who. That Rav said that you start praying for rain. Rav said that you start praying for rain. On the 60th day, and Shmuel is the one who said, you start praying for rain. On the 61st day, first day, we see Manoch, Eloi, boy, Maya. Those who live high up in the mountains need a lot of rain. Like we learned earlier, because the rain flows down the mountain, it doesn't stay, it doesn't retain the rain. So you need a lot of rain, so that there should be enough rain that should, it should moisturize the earth. The earth should be able to, to receive and absorb all that rain. So Rav says you need the rain earlier. Rav lived in the mountain. Rav arrived from the Holy Land of Israel. He was a student of Rebbe. So he came from Israel, he came to Babylonia, and Israel is, is a mountainous country. It's much higher than Babylonia, which is a valley. Tatoi, Shmuel, was from the valley, from the, from the from Babylonia, Levi Maya. You don't need that much rain, because the rain, any rain that you get, stays there. It stays there, so there's the water just sits there, and therefore it will satiate the ground and make it moist and make it ready to receive the grain to grow, to grow the seed. That's why he says, 61st day, no rush. The law is like Rav. Already the 60th day, you start asking for rain. Next Mishnah. And there's no rain inside. So individuals, those who are worthy, Torah scholars, would start fasting. <laughs> three, three fast days. But it's a lighter fast day. You can, you can eat the night before you can eat and drink. And the fast starts in the morning. It's, it's a day fast, not a, not a, not a 24-hour fast. 12-hour fast. And, the day, and when you're fasting, you're allowed to do work. You're allowed to take a shower, bathe, anoint yourself, you wear leather shoes. You can have intimate relations with your wife, with your spouse. Then, do not respond to the prayers and the fastings of the individuals. Then Bezdin Gaze and Shalstein's Alatzibur. Then now the court makes it mandatory on the entire congregation. You have to fast. Three fast days. Again, it's a lighter fast. You can eat the night before. It's just a 12 hour fast. I have, like the day, not that night. And even the day, you can do work, you can bathe, you can anoint, you can put on leather shoes. That's the mission. Now the Gemara explains, clarifies, man yichidim. Who is, who is the yichidim? Individuals, who are these individuals that start fasting the 17th day of Hashem? There's no rain in sight. The rabbis. Another thing Rabbi said, yichidim misanin shleishatanis. Three fast days. But which three days? Not consecutive. They don't fast three days in a row. They start Shani Monday, then Vachamishi that Thursday, and Vashani in the following Monday. 
Mm-hmm. How do you know this? You're not allowed to decree a fast day, to start fasting on Thursday. Why not? Because you don't want the prices to go up. If you're going to start fasting on Thursday. So the next day on Friday, when people are going to start the day after the fast. People are going to buy two make, make, made meals. One for, to break the fast. And one on Thursday night, they're going to, they're going to buy a huge meal to break the fast. And now for Shabbos. <laughs> so the, the sellers will say, hey, there must be a hunger in the world. Suddenly people are starving and people are buying so much food. There's, there's a run on, there's a run on, the, on the food. They're running, they're emptying out uh, Walmart, they're emptying out uh, Costco. There's a, there's a run. So therefore, they're going to raise the prices. Ella, Shalosh, Tainis, Erishenes. You have to start Bersheni on Monday. And the next one is Hamishi on Thursday. And then now you're not worried, because everyone knows already that they're fasting. There's no hunger, there's no shortage. There's no hunger, there's no shortage, plenty of food. Why, why by then everyone knows that you're fasting. They're fasting on the, they impose the fast, the courts impose the fast. That's why Monday, next, after the fast, they're buying a lot of food. Why are you buying a lot of food suddenly in the middle of Monday? It's not Shabbos or anything. There's no hunger. They're buying one meal, but still, it's something unusual. They say, well, there's a fast day. Okay, so all the sellers, the merchants will know there's a fast day. There's no hunger. So they won't raise the prices. So it's Monday, Thursday, and the third fast is Ubasheni, the following Monday. That's when we read the Torah. So what's he coming to lead to teach us? What's Rav Huna coming to teach us? It's an open, we learned already, it's a Mishnah. Later on, it's a clear Mishnah. The Mishnah says that when the Bezdin decrees the fast, the three fast days are not three consecutive days, but it's Monday, not Thursday, Monday, Thursday, Monday, Thursday, Monday. So what's Rav, what's Rav Huna coming to teach me? That these three days are Monday, Thursday, and Monday. It's a clear mission. I think about him out. And I would think, when do we say that the three days have to start with Monday? It's only B'tzibur. If it's a, it's a public fast, where the Bezdin is imposing on the fast and everyone. So then you have to worry if the, the entire community is suddenly rushing to buy so much food Thursday night. They're going to think that there must be, there's a run on the food because there must be a hunger coming. They're going to raise the prices. Here you only have individuals, the Torah scholars, individuals who are fasting. The Torah scholars probably have nothing to eat all year round, so they don't need to say, well, so, so then, there's no big deal. What do you care? Let them start fasting on Thursday. They're going to buy two meals. No one's going to think there's a hunger coming. Why only the Torah scholars are buying so much food? There's no hunger. So that's where he comes to teach us. No, that even the fast of Yechidim, only individuals are fasting. You don't start the fast on Thursday. Only Monday, Thursday. Because even then, if there's any run on the food, even if it's not by the entire community, it's just by a few individuals, They'll start saying, wait a minute, maybe they know something others don't know. Maybe they have advanced, you know, they have advanced knowledge, inside information, that, that there is a hunger coming. That's why they're rushing to get so much food. And therefore, they're going to raise the prices for everyone. That's why even that, this fast, you start Monday, Thursday, and Monday. States clearly. When the individuals start fasting, 
Hamishi v'sheni, Monday, Thursday, and Monday. Then he said, and if once they set these three days of a fast, Monday, Thursday, and Friday, and Thursday, and Monday, Mavsikin, if Rish Chodesh falls out on Monday, Thursday, or you're not allowed to fast on Rish Chodesh. You push it off the next Thursday, the next Monday. Why? Because you're not allowed to fast on Rish Chodesh. Rish Chodesh is like a, like a mini holiday. You're not allowed to fast. Mm-hmm. Rashi says it's like rabbinically prohibited to fast. The Rambam seems that like it's biblical. Mm-hmm. Not a lot to fast on the mini holiday. We continue on side B, 10B, and also the holidays that were written in the Megillah and the scroll that list all the days. You're not allowed to fast. That many miracles happen, small miracles happen. So you're not allowed to fast in those days, so you push it off. The rabbis learn, the person should not say, I'm just a student. I'm not worthy of being considered a yachid of those individuals who are worthy of fasting. Ella, rather, called yichidin. All the Torah scholars are called yichidin. Who is a yachid and who is a talmud? Who's considered a yachid? There is a difference between a yachid and a talmud. What's the difference between the two? An individual. He's not required to fast. We call them Yechidim or we call Tamidich Achamim. They're a student of wisdom. Or Yechidim. What's the difference between the two? Call Shadolim Nisparnas and Any Torah scholar, you ask him any question, he knows how to answer and answer correctly. So that's a Yachid. Talmud, the Talmud, the student is called If you ask him something that he's learning, he's currently engaged in, he's learning, he can answer well. He knows he knows the material well, he mastered the material well, but only what he's learning now. And even if he's just learning one of the light tractates. So someone who's so it's a light, but if he knows how to answer, he's called a Talmud Chacham, and he should also fast. He also allowed to fast. But a Yachid is someone he asks him in any area. He knows how to answer. The Torah is so clear to him. He has a he mastered the whole Torah. He has it on his fingertips. He can answer. That's a Yachid. That's what he's coming to say. That not only a Yachid fast, but even a student also fast. Turn the Rabbana, the Rabbis learn. We learn the Bryce, not anyone who, who wants to be a Yachid can call himself a Yachid and, and, is, and, and is not allowed to fast. Because it looks arrogant. Mm-hmm. And therefore, people won't like him. If people won't like him, it means Hashem won't like him. Say, I'm just a student, but they, I was told even a student should fast. Mm-hmm. And, the, and not everyone who's a Talmud is, is allowed to consider himself a student. Only someone who actually learned the tractate, at least attracted Kala and is familiar with it. Rabbi Yesi says, 
Just like a student could count himself as a yachid when it comes to fasting, so to every person, Oise, Oise could consider himself like a student and fast. And it will remember it favorably. You can upgrade yourself, it's fine. You can aspire to be more than yourself. So even if you're not studying, you're not coming to the kohl, you're not learning, but nevertheless, if you want to consider yourself a student, and come, come and fast, it's allowed. Why? <laughs> it's not arrogant, you're not praising yourself, you're not elevating yourself to receive praise, you're elevating yourself to fast, to deprive yourself. So it's not going to lead to arrogance. But if you call yourself a student in a way of arrogance, you want to be praised, you want to be respected, that, that's wrong. You can't elevate yourself beyond your level. Not everyone wants to be considered a yachid is allowed, and not everyone who wants to consider himself a student is allowed. That's the opinion of Shimon ben Elazar, of Shimon ben Gamliel, and of Shimon ben Gamliel, whoever says, Ahmed, what am I doing with him? He qualifies of Shimon ben says, I agree. When do you say you're not allowed to pretend to be something that you're not, or elevate yourself to a level that you're not when it comes to being praiseworthy? But the other something that's in pain. Like the fast, on the country he'll be praised. So people make a big mistake. People think that you want to help someone. So you're going to send them to college, you know, affirmative action. You're not doing him any favors. If he's not worthy and he's not ready and he's not developed and he doesn't have the skill set, it's like you put a, 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 a five year old into eighth grade, you ruin him for life. You're not helping it, but I want to. I want equity. I want everyone to be the same. I want everyone to feel comfortable. You're you're, you're wicked. You're evil. You're destroying them. Hmm. You can't elevate a person to a level that he's not ready to receive. He doesn't learn anything. You'll destroy his brain. You'll destroy his mind. You'll destroy, hmm. shatter his self-esteem. Yeah. You're gonna destroy him. He has to. You have to bring him to the level that he's ready. If he's ready for first grade, you can't put him in second grade. By skipping a grade, you're not helping him. You may feel good. You see, I'm so equitable. I'm so liberal. I'm so kind. Mm-hmm. I'm compassionate. You're not kind. You're not compassionate. You're not. Uh, you're destroying the person. Unless everything you're doing is fueled by ego. You're thinking about yourself. You couldn't care less about the person that you claim to be you want to help him and helping him you actually totally backfires and completely counterproductive so people do a lot of things in name and compassion but all that matters is not being compassionate now you're bringing ruin and destruction whatever you touch you're ruining and destroying you're not helping anyone but, but I smell like a rose I feel so compassionate <laughs> so you have to know you have to know your level you're not doing anyone any favors by, by it's just arrogance it's foolish it's you know your place. A yachid is a yachid, and a student is a student, and even not even on the level of a student. Don't pretend to be a student. Hmm. And the rabbis learn me show you misam. If a person was fasting because let's say, there was no rain or there was a tzadah, va'avra and Hashem responded to the prayer in the middle of the fast. Hashem removed the tzadah. Tragedy. Oh, you were fasting for someone who was sick. They should, they should be healed. And he was cured in the middle of your fast. 
should continue fasting and conclude your fast. Because if not, it looks like he made a condition with Hashem. If you won't answer my prayer, then I'll fast. If you will, then I won't fast. So, so you're not fasting for Hashem. It's like you're making a deal. It's conditional. You have to fast for Hashem. And you're asking Hashem, Hashem should have mercy and heal this person or, or save you from the tragedy. Then, the, then he says, The Brayse continues. A person goes from a place that where they're not fasting, and he goes, he travels to a place where they are fasting, and he has to fast. You put upon him the restrictions of the place where he arrived. And vice versa. A person goes with Makan In his town, everyone is fasting. The Makan he travels to a place where they're not fasting. And he's a Masani, he has to continue his fast. Because again, you have to impose upon him the, the, severe, the strictness of the place that he came from. Mashlim, he should finish his entire fast. Today? Shacha. What if he forgot? You go back to the original. He went from a place where they're not fasting to a place where they're fasting. And he forgot, because in this place they're not fasting. For him it's not a, it wasn't a fast. He left in the morning, no one was fasting. He arrived in this place, everyone was fasting. So although he asked to fast, he forgot. And he ate. He took out, he took out his, his sandwich that his wife prepared for him. Don't show yourself to the community that you're, you're, they're all collapsing, they're all collishing, they're fasting, and you're walk, walking around robust. Your cheeks are uh, rosy. You just had a delicious pastrami sandwich. <laughs> and they'll be jealous of you. Don't say, well, if I already broke the fast, what's the point? I'm not fasting. So I'll, I'll enjoy myself. No. As soon as you remember, stop eating. Not to show the community that you're full while everyone else is, is in pain, depriving himself. Where do we learn this from? Never. It says... It says in the time of the hunger, in the time of Yaakov and Yosef, there was this tremendous hunger. So when Yaakov saw this hope in Egypt, and he says, Yaakov said to his sons, even though we have grain, we have what to eat, but don't show everyone that you're, you're full, you have what to eat. Not before Esav, not before Yishmael. They shouldn't be jealous of you. So even though if you have what to eat, you have to... Don't, don't cause an iron harder. Don't go and... They say in Yiddish, don't go and like tear the eyes out of another person. Like, don't flaunt your wealth. People think the moment they get a little wealthy, they have to flaunt their wealth. They have to buy the $100,000 watch and show it to everyone or the most expensive car and run around and flaunt the wealth and tear out the eyes and cause everyone to be jealous. It's very foolish. Yaakov says, don't do that. Why only Esav and Yishmael? Esav and Yishmael, well, why not the Canaanites? Esav and Yishmael didn't even live there. Why not the neighbors, the Canaanites? Because they were worried about Esav and Yishmael. Because Avram, when there was a hunger, he had to leave the land. He went to Egypt. There was a hunger. He went to Avimela. Yitzchak, there was a hunger, also went to Avimela. So they'll, have it, they'll be upset. Why are you better off than our father and our grandfather? 
Why are you so much special? Yes, there's a hunger. Why is Hashem blessing you and you don't have to leave while everyone, while you, our holy father and holy grandfather, Yishmael, Avram's son. So the, the descendants of Yishmael will argue, the descendants of Esau, our father and our grandfather, great grandfather, Yitzchak, and Avram did have to leave, so they'll, they'll, they'll be jealous and there'll be an accusation in heaven against you. Why are you so special? That's what he says, be careful. He told them, don't be angry on the road. What do you mean? I mean Yosef told the brothers, Yosef said to his brothers, don't engage in, in, in the halacha on the road. Why? Because you're going to get so caught up in the Hadvar you're going to get so caught up in the discussion. That you won't notice that you're going, you're going in the wrong way. You'll end up going in the wrong path. You ever were driving with someone and you get so caught up in your conversation that you missed the exit or you got lost because you, you, you weren't paying attention. You're so excited about the conversation. When the Jew studies halacha, you learn the Torah, you get engaged and involved. You're so engaged in it that you just stop paying attention. You get distracted. Mm. But it's not so... Two Torah scholars are traveling and they're not discussing Torah, instead discussing politics. How worthy that they should be burned. Sometimes left the world, part of the world, and he went to heaven. So he was walking with Elisha, a student, along the banks of the Jordan River. They were talking, and suddenly there was a chariot, a fire, a UFO, and separated between the two. And Elio went up to heaven. So, what do you mean they went and they spoke? Time, the Ike, the reason why the fire was between them, separated them, it didn't consume them. Because Dibur, because they spoke words of Torah. But if they're walking and they're not speaking words of Torah, the fire should be in them. They should be burned. They should be consumed by the fire. So how could you say that Yosef told them, don't speak halacha? What do you mean? They must speak on the way. You must engage in Torah. Well, the kasha, it's not, a, it's not a contradiction. It means to say, of course you should speak words of Torah, but something that doesn't need your focus, your attention. Like you're, you're repeating, you're learning superficially, you're repeating words, but you're not engaging your mind. To engage your mind, which you need, your focus and concentration, daddy warned them, don't do that, because you can end up getting lost. <laughs> Masisetan, the Braisa we learn, I'll take Zubadar, I'll have Siyub, Siyub Gas. Don't walk, don't take wide steps that are more than a foot and a half. Make sure to enter into the city while the sun is still shining. Don't travel at night. That's what he means. A, a person's, the, the space between one foot and the other is a half amma, like a little more than nine inches. Your foot itself is also around, the, you know, foot to be half an amma. Well, it depends what kind of foot you have, but the average person. <laughs> Ten inch. 
So he says, so it's an amma. Don't, don't stretch your feet, like walk very wide steps. Mm-hmm. See, it depends on the person. How wide your feet are, how wide your steps are. Angry, you're, you're rushing, you're angry, you're running, you're, you're like, you're not... Don't walk, walk nicely. Walking is a tremendously healthy exercise. You don't have to run. Just walking, right? They have all the benefits for your heart. Just taking a nice walk. You know, you don't have to run, run like a like a chicken without a head. Person makes wide steps. You lose your eyesight. Takes away a, a five hundredth of your eyesight. I guess if you jog and you run, same thing. What's the answer? The antidote is the Kiddush of Shabbos. So you look at the wine on Shabbos. Also you look at the lights of, of Shabbos. So that restores your vision. And go in, go in to make sure to enter into the city while the sun is still shining. A person should leave to the, on the road. When it's already light, because on light it says Hashem saw that it was kitayv, it's good. In other words, after sunrise, yeah. you should enter into the city at the end of the day while the sun is still shining before sunset. Because at night you have bandits, you have demons and bandits and human demons and, and wild animals. And also Shanemr it says, by the brothers of Yesu, Yesu send them from Egypt to go home to Israel to bring Benjamin, Binyamin, he said, When did he send them? He sent them in the morning. After sunrise, that's when he sent them. A person should not go before sunrise. From this you could also understand the dog. The same thing is, you should make sure on the road to go, to go into the city and to sleep over, get into the city, the town before the sunset. A person when he's traveling shouldn't eat more than what he eat in a hunger, in a year of hunger. In other words, don't travel on a full stomach. Yeah. Eat a little less. Yeah. Eat lightly. My timer, what's the reason? This is how they explained it in Babylonian. That you shouldn't destroy, ruin your intestine. If you're going to eat too much and you're walking and traveling, it's very hard in the body. You have to make it. If you eat lightly, it's easy in the body to travel. You want to ruin and destroy your digestive system. In the Holy Land of Israel, they said. In the West, they said. The reason is because if you're going to eat heavily on the road, you have to take with you a lot of food. Mm-hmm. Like the way Jews travel. They travel as if food is going out of style. <laughs> You're leaving for an hour, there's already sandwiches and picnics and, and, and bread. <laughs> What's the difference between these two reasons? There is a difference. We continue in 11a. The Yosef Ba'arba. If he's traveling by boat, it's according to the reason that it's going to hurt your digestive system. If you're sitting on a boat, there's nothing to worry about. You're sitting. You're sitting comfortably, like you're sitting at home. But if, according to the reason that because you're not going to have, a, you have to take along so much food, it's the same reason applies. You're on the road. You shouldn't schlep so much food with you. Inami, another difference is the causal me'avna la'avna. 
when he's going from one inn yeah. to the other inn. An inn that has a store. So if the reason is that you're, you're going to harm your digestive system, what difference does it make? But if the reason is because you're worried that you're going to have to schlep so much food, I don't have to schlep. Wherever I go, there's a store, there's a 7-Eleven, there's a Kmart, there's a place I can buy food. There's a restaurant, so I don't have to worry about it. So then you can eat as much as you want on the road. If you don't have, according to Israel, you don't have to worry about your digestive system. And you can eat as much as you want. And we'll just conclude with this. Rapapa, when he used to travel, called Parse, Parse, every Parse that he went, Achil Chadarift. He went, he, he ate one, one loaf of bread. Why? The Gassafar, he holds Mishum Mayana. That the reason why you should eat lightly is because it's going to ruin and destroy digestive system. Mm-hmm. And therefore, not because you're going to carry so much food. And therefore, since our papa was very heavy, so therefore he needed a lot of food. So he, he wasn't worried about it. He, his stomach, <laughs> he didn't have to worry about it. His stomach can handle it. <laughs> so here, everything is subjective. He knew that him, it's not going to ruin, it's not going to harm to eat so much. Everyone have a wonderful day.